Again, we are in the midst, or we'll be concluding this series today called Happily Ever After. And I want to just say this before we go forward. I know that we've been showing clips of different Disney, Pixar-type movies. I just want to let you know, please do not watch this movie with your kids. Uh, This is not a family-friendly film. I discovered that. I was like, well, I'm going to watch this, and the kids will join me. Don't do it. Uh, There's a lot of crazy stuff in there that are mostly made for adults. But I want to get into what was going on here in this clip, what was going on in this film. Of course, we've got these swashbuckling kind of uh, conniving individuals that are looking for a city of gold. That's their dream. It's their dream to get rich, filthy rich. And so they uh, think it's the answer to all of their problems, that if they find this place, that is where their dreams are going to come true. Well, after we see, after a difficult journey, they arrive at the city only to discover, at least initially, that it is nothing more than a pile of stones, dreams dashed, uh, difficulties arise for their life. Have you ever, now here's my question, have you ever been promised something amazing only to find out that it's not what was advertised? It wasn't as good as the picture of the brochure was about. Well, I, I, I have a little story about this in my own life. Now, a few years ago, about 10 years ago, we walked into, my wife and I, into the world of timeshares. Who here has uh, been to a timeshare? Maybe you own a timeshare. Uh, maybe you're like us. It's, I, I call it vacation for dummies. Um, uh, you, you, were, you went into it because you were promised great things. And, and that was exactly what happened to my wife and I. We were like, we're looking for something. We know we want to be, uh, be able to do more stuff vacation-wise. And so we, we were at a resort down in San Diego, California, right in the heart of Southern California. And here was this resort. And, I mean, we're, we're in the home of surfing, Disneyland, uh, SeaWorld, uh, fresh avocados, you know, sunshine, warmth. Here, who here right now would like a little bit more warmth? That would be a, you, you would be like, I'm all for that. So would I. Well, so here we are, and we're told that just for a little mincy, peensy, weensy investment, we were going to have a lifetime of incredible vacations that for one week out of the year, we would be like the lifestyles of the rich and the famous. And so, I mean, all of our dreams basically were, were going to come true. And, and, and they, they said, you're going to be able to stay at the best places in the world. You're, you're, you're never going to have to suffer again through miserable vacations. Well, the guy was so determined to sell us uh, a, a timeshare unit that he also said, you know what, if you will buy from me today, I'm going to take you golfing at one of the nicest golf courses in Southern California. You know, I should have been a little bit smarter, but I was, I was kind of getting wrapped into this thing, and I believed him. And so after we signed the deal, we went for it. I remember calling him the next day. Now, this should have been clue number one. Actually, there should have been about 100 clues before this clue, but... I call him and I say, hey, I want to go golfing. And he's like, who are you? I don't even know who you are. Okay, we're getting off to a great start. Well, that year that we bought into the timeshare was uh, the year that my wife and I were going to celebrate our 15th wedding anniversary. And so we were, I was like, you know, he promised us a great lit resort. Let's go to this like five-star place in the, uh, in the Bahamas. It's going to be awesome. And so we spent the next 10 months trying to get a week at this place. 
nothing available, nothing available. We called, nothing available. Okay, and they told us we were going to be able to get into anything we wanted, so we tried Hawaii, we tried other places, nothing available. Well, about two months out, we were kind of getting desperate, like we got to start planning some stuff here. You were, you know, 15 years, this is a, a big celebration for us, and so they said, well, we've got something available for you in the Cayman Islands if you want to go there. Oh, that's a tropical island. It's, this has got to be good, you know, and so um, I should have known it was available. Uh, it was easy to get into. Now, if you've ever heard about the Cayman Islands, I wanna, th- this, is, this is what most brochures will advertise you, to you. This is called Seven Mile Beach, white sands, beautiful blue waters. Uh, it, it is incredibly gorgeous. So we thought that's where we were going to be staying. But I want to show you our beach. <laughs> Very difficult to sunbathe on volcanic lava rock. Um, yeah, uh, we actually found out after we had arrived there, now listen to this, that the place that we were renting had actually been sold to somebody else, and they, the, the company was trying to call us to tell us they had another place for us to stay. But we didn't get that message, and so here we are on the lava rock. See, we didn't understand that on the east side of the island, beautiful white sand, west side of the island, volcano. In fact, if you go down to the very southern tip of the uh, uh, west side of the island, they actually have a city, a little town, it's called Hell. And there's a post office there, and you can send a postcard to anybody you want from Hell. (laughs) You know, things, we were a little bit disappointed. I got to be honest, this isn't what we dream. This wasn't what we pictured. This is what we were promised. And, and so we were a little disappointed. So today, oh, we did. Sorry. Um, today, as we conclude our series, it's called Hep- Happily Ever After? Question mark. Now we've talked about, you've talked about how relationships, that relationships when it comes to our relationships with, with each other, they can take all sorts of twists and turns, but, but God really desires for us to have genuine relationships with each other. Secondly, we talked about parenting, that when you are raising kids, all sorts of different things can happen, but our job as parents, the best thing that we can do for our kids is to love God more. And then last week, we talked about marriage, the wonderful world of marriage where, uh, you know, when it comes to marriage, what I learned in my life is that uh, you think that you are a not, you don't realize how selfish you are until you get married. It exposes selfishness in your life. Well, today, I want to talk about something different because when it comes to the question mark, why the question mark? Because we all know this truth that life rarely happens the way we think it will happen. Is that true? It is filled with twists and turns and all sorts of crazy challenges, which if we were to go back in time, we probably would realize that wasn't part of the original plan. Some things are mere detours. We, we kind of go off for a minute and we, we discover, okay, that's not, not too bad. But for many of us, we face things that were, are more like or feel like devastations, And depending on our perspectives, we can sometimes question, where is 
God in these situations. Or maybe you can feel like somehow God has let you down. I know that doesn't feel very spiritual, but I think if we're honest, we all have been in places in our life where we feel like, where are you, God? Why are my kids not serving God? Why did I get fired from my job for no apparent reason? Why come, how come my husband or my wife doesn't love me anymore? Why did my dad have to die? I'm serving God. I'm, I'm doing all the right things, but yet somehow it, things aren't working out the way that I thought they would. Wasn't it when I gave my life to Jesus? Wasn't it when I said, Jesus, I want to make you the center of my life? Wasn't life supposed to be easier? And I think sometimes we can fall into the lie that we think that it should make our life easier. It won't make our life easier, but I will say this, it, it does make our life better because he has good things for us, and we're going to talk about that today. But I remember for myself, when I decided to make Jesus the center of my life, my dad wasn't really happy. My dad didn't agree with my decision. In fact, for three, four years of my life, my dad would mock me, make fun of me, challenge me, criticize me, put me down just because I wanted to serve God. There are people all over the world today that are making decisions to say, Jesus, I want you to be first in my life. And for that very decision, they're facing the very reality that they've given themselves a death sentence. It's not welcome in their countries where they live to be a follower of Jesus. Life doesn't always go how we think it should go. Today I want to look at one of Jesus' disciples. I believe Thomas, he's not mentioned a lot, was having similar questions about all that had happened with Jesus. I believe that this moment in time that we're going to look at, he was kind of looking at his life and going, man, this isn't what I thought it would be. And I'm not even sure, Jesus, if you're who you say you are. We'll see that. John chapter 20, I would like it if you could turn in your Bible with me there fourth book in the New Testament. We're going to look at verse 24, and I want to read this. One of the 12 disciples, Thomas, nicknamed the twin, was not with the others when Jesus came. They told him, we have seen the Lord. The other disciples now are are coming back together. You see, they had dispersed. They had run away when when Jesus was arrested. They didn't want to be convicted with him, and so they they scattered. They, they They hightailed it out of being associated with him. But he replied this, I won't believe until I see the nail wounds in his hands and put my fingers into them and place my hand into the wound at his side. What was going on here? Well, Thomas, like probably most of the disciples, if they would have been listening to Jesus, they would have heard what he was saying. But I don't believe they understood everything. You see, their leader was not supposed to die in their mind, especially die a humiliating death on a cross. Jewish people don't die on crosses. That's for the the vagabonds, those that have no value. To die on a tree was considered to be cursed. The Messiah would never die on a tree on a cross. He was to be the man who was to rule the new Israel. He would remove the Roman occupation. He'd bring honor and power again to this once proud nation. 
And he would change the the tyranny. He would remove the tyranny of the religious leaders. Things were going to be good under Jesus. But here he was. He he was he died, and and Thomas hadn't seen that he'd raised been raised from the dead. And here he was with the rest of the disciples. They were pretty much considered outlaws in their empire. They were they're running for their lives, and they didn't want to be associated with this revolutionary rebel now named Jesus. This was not part of the plan. And I think he was maybe even questioning whether really whether he was the Messiah or not. John Piper makes this quote, being satisfied in God always seems easier when all is going well. But when the things you love are being stripped out of your hands, then the test is real. I remember my son Isaac when he was about two and a half, three years old. You see, my son, some of you have heard the story, was born with a a heart defect. He had open heart surgery when he was four days old. God did a great thing in his life. But here we are, he was three and a half years, or two and a half, three years old, and we were going to the hospital because something wasn't right. He was really lethargic. He was quite anemic. I mean, he was as pale, as pale as you could be. You put him up to a white sheet, he just blended into it. And we were sitting there going, what? what's going on? And so we went to the children's hospital, and I remember we're sitting there in, the, in, in his room. And you know, it's not a good sign when more than one doctor shows up in your room. And so the doctor begins to explain. He says, I don't know how to tell you this, but your son has a, a, a problem. He's not producing red blood cells. Well, I knew a little bit about science in the body. Blood, red blood cells, oxygen, eventually there's going to be a problem here. And they said, we don't understand what's going on. And we, we're, we're going to look. We're trying to, to figure out what's, what's going on in his world, what's causing this. But I'm just here to tell you it doesn't look good. He's probably going to tonight have to have a blood transfusion. And in fact, if we can't figure this out, he'll have to have blood transfusions for for as long as he's probably alive. There could be leukemia. It could be a lot of different things. And so our mind was racing. We didn't, we didn't know what was going on. And we were kind of like, God, what, what's going on? We already went through something once with this kid. Come on. This isn't fair. Where are you? What's going on here? And I remember that, that night I had to take my five-year-old daughter home. She couldn't stay at the hospital all night with my wife stayed with my son, and I remember going home. I remember opening the door to his room and his bed being empty, and I was like, God, what is happening here? You see, sometimes in life, it's so hard for us to see what God is doing. We don't understand what's he's up to. We don't understand what's happening. And I want to share with you today these three points, first of all, that why sometimes we, we, we go through things that we have to understand sometimes. We don't always know what God is doing. Now, obviously, God did something in Isaac's life. He's still here today. Thank you, Jesus. Hey, hallelujah. But we don't see what's happening, or we don't have the mind of God I believe it's hard for us as human beings to understand the sovereignty of God. 
Well, what is the sovereignty of God? I want to do another John Piper quote. It says that God works all things according to the counsel of his will, what he wants. All things, listen to this, from the roll of the dice to the circuit of stars to the rise of presidents to the death of Jesus to the gift of repentance and faith. That there's, only, there's nothing in chance in God's kingdom, that he really has a plan for all in every situation, that he has everything under control. Do you know that God is never surprised by what's going on in the world or in our lives? He's not caught off guard by it. But the problem is, is a lot of times we interpret things through our own ability and our own reasoning, and God always has something that he's up to. And it's our job to be able to see him and understand where he's at, even though we may not always be able to comprehend it. We must trust God when we can't understand what he's doing. We must know that he has a plan. I remember there was a great leader who's ministered at this church many times who shared with me that how he and his wife had adopted a young man, they'd adopted a little boy and they'd raised him, they'd taken him from a, 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 of a, a family, a mother who was a, just was strung out on crack cocaine all the time. They had watched him go through withdrawals and raised him up. And when he was about 18 years old, he had this desire, he wanted to find his birth mother, he wanted to reconnect with her. And they found her and he began to reconnect with her and all of a sudden he began to get pulled into her lifestyle this young man they had raised. And God spoke to this man of God very early one morning. He was praying, and God said, you know, in the next year, I'm going to take your son home to be with me. And he said, the reason I'm doing it is I'm going to take him home before he completely rejects me. Because I love him and I love you. You see, there are things that sometimes happen that we don't understand. We, we, we want it to work out the way we like it, but we don't understand that God has always got a plan and a purpose. So we need to make sure we get the mind of God. How do we get it? We renew our mind. We need to renew our mind or change our thinking. In Romans chapter 12, verse 2, it says, Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. We need to learn to read more of the word, to let God's word flood us. We need to think positive things about life and who we are and declare life to ourselves in all circumstances. But the second thing that gets us into trouble is we, first of all, we don't always see what God is doing. We get in trouble also when we question the goodness of God. It is so easy in life only to see pain in situations. We see the temporary loss or the barrage of challenges and somehow think that God maybe has left us or forsaken us. We, fell, we can fall victim to the oldest trick in the devil's playbook, questioning whether God is good or not. That's what the, happened to Adam and Eve. God began to, or the devil began to speak to both of them in the garden saying, you know what, God is holding out from you. That tree that he told you not to eat, that's a good tree. Look at the fruit on that tree. If you knew God the way that I did, you would know you can't trust him because if you eat that tree, you're gonna discover how great things are and so they ate from the fruit because they questioned God's goodness. 
I believe this, if God is not good, we should not put our faith in him. But I can tell you this, because the Bible declares it, that God is good, and he's good all the time. Jeremiah 29, 11 says this, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you future and a hope, that God has great plans for your life. He loves you and he cares about you. And he's working all things out so that one day you'll be able to understand that he was working things on your behalf. He wants to prosper you. He wants you to know that you are loved, that you belong to him. He's a good God. You must believe God loves you and has good intentions to you. It is the foundation of our faith. Now on a kind of a smaller area, I want you to know I, I, that there's ways God shows us this thing. I remember about a year ago, we, my wife and the kids and I, we flew into Denver, Colorado. We got to the airport at 12.30 at night. We're tired. Our plane had been delayed. We just wanted to get to the hotel, go to bed. Now, if you've ever been to the Denver airport, it seems like it's an hour away from Denver. It's not close. And so we got to the car agency, and we go out to the car parking lot, and there aren't any cars My kids are like, Dad, there's no cars here. I'm holding a car rental, and they're like, I come in, I'm like, dude, where are your cars? Oh, yeah, we we rented it. You're late. You know, I, I, I get frustrated at 1230 in the afternoon. Now, 1230 at night, but the guy's like, you know what I'm gonna do for you, Mr. Swisher? I'm going to triple upgrade you. I'm like, triple upgrade? I said, well, what does that mean? He goes, look, I only got luxury cars left. How does a Cadillac Escalade work for you for this trip? My kids are like, dad, this is awesome. God has good things for us. Now, we don't always get to see it that quickly, but sometimes it, 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 it Things happen a little bit, take a little bit more time. But God is good. We, got, we can't forget that he's good. And we also have to remember this, number three. We need to not forget, remind ourselves that the story of our life is not complete yet. That maybe you're in the, the middle of certain things in your life, and it doesn't seem like things are going very well. You can't understand it. But I want to tell you today, you're, you're, the story isn't finished yet. I don't know about you, but I'm notorious for starting books and not finishing them. I mean, I, I got a bookshelf. I got lots of them. I, I've, I think I've probably read more half books than anybody in the world. I think I, if you put them all together, I might have read, you know, thousands of books. But I, is there anybody else who can relate to me? No, no don't raise your, this isn't, con, you don't need to confess. It's not a sin. Or maybe you're, sometimes I do, have you ever done this where you go and you read the end of a book and then you decide if you're going to read the rest of it based if you like the ending or not? And some of you are like, Pastor, you can't do that. That ruins it. We don't see the end of the story of, in our lives, but God does. And there are chapters that are yet to be written And what might feel like a failure today is only setting the stage for a win tomorrow. I want you to get God's perspective today. 
Now I've shared with you, I've had the privilege of coaching my son's basketball team. We just concluded our season last week. What an interesting and great year. I had the privilege of coaching basically a grade seven basketball team that competed in an eighth grade league. And so, so uh, yeah, that sounds exciting, except that these kids thought at the beginning of the year, they're like, we are going to win the championship. We're going to be awesome. And after we lost our first game by 45 points, they were like, oh, my goodness. We don't know if we want to play basketball. It's terrible. And I'm, so I said, listen to me. Listen to me. Look at me. I said, this is just the beginning. This is part of the process. If you trust me, if you work with me, we're going to get better. You're going to improve. Now, in the first game of the playoffs, we were playing a team that had beaten us by 36 points the first game we played them. And I remember as I was consoling my team after the game, yes, we lost, but we lost because in the last three seconds of the game, we had the ball, and our kid who was going up for a shot dribbled it off his leg. We had a chance to tie the game. And they lost, and they were discouraged. But I said, remember what I told you. You're going to get better. You're learning things. You're preparing yourself for future things. And I said, not only is this not the end of your season, you see, many of you are going to play for five or six or seven or eight or nine more years. And maybe this year we didn't accomplish what we wanted, want to do, wanted to accomplish, but I'm here to tell you that you are going to see yourself win more games as you go forward if you just keep doing what you're supposed to do. I believe this, that God is in the process of preparing each one of us for greater challenges and opportunities. That we must go through things to get to better things. That we sometimes despise the process. We, we remove ourselves from the process and God is saying, just continue on. You don't know the end of the story. Keep pushing into me. We cannot judge God's will according to our timing. We make that mistake that God doesn't work according to our timing. He has his timing. I want to go back to Thomas here for a moment because we realize that what I shared was just the beginning of Thomas's story. We pick it back up in verse 26 of John chapter 20. It says that eight days later, the disciples were together again, and this time Thomas was with them. The doors were locked, but suddenly as before, Jesus was standing among them. Peace be with you, he said. I don't know if that's how his voice was, but it works. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here and look at my hands. Put your hand into the wound on my side. Don't be faithless any longer. Believe. My Lord and my God, Thomas explained. Then Jesus told him, you believe because you have seen me, but blessed are those who believe without seeing me. Think about that. Here we have it, a week later, Thomas and the rest of the disciples, these rogue guys, all of a sudden they've come back together. They're all finding each other and they're hanging out together. We don't know what they're doing. Maybe they're having a barbecue. Maybe 
They're trying to figure out what their next adventure would be because in the next chapter of John, we know that Peter went back to fishing, which God didn't say, you're going to fish for fish. You're supposed to fish for men. Whole nother story. But in the midst of them, Jesus shows up and singles out Thomas. He wants him to see that it really is him, that he had died, but he was also raised to life. That Jesus is alive. And I want to let you know today, whatever you are going through, whatever you're experiencing, that Jesus is alive. He's alive. So how do we keep a Jesus perspective? How do we not fall victim to losing our faith? First of all, we got to learn how to hold our ground. Hold your ground. What do I mean? Don't run away when things begin to get a little bit squirrely in your life. Don't run away from your faith, your calling, or your dream. Hold on to your dream. Don't let difficulties remove you or move you. Don't move from your job, your family, from the church because you don't understand what's going on. Too many times we try to make things happen when God's just saying, hold on. Don't move unless God tells you to. Don't give up on what God has placed in your heart. This season very well is part of your preparation for something greater. Why? Because Jesus is alive. Secondly, look to Jesus. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Don't look to money. Don't look to success. Don't look to friends or to family to fulfill what God has called you to do. Don't look to anything else to take care of you. Keep your focus on Jesus. Why? Because he loves you. Jesus loves you. He's in love with you. Some of you today need to be reminded Jesus loves you. He cares about you. He cares even about what you're experiencing. It may not feel like it, but I'm here to tell you that he does. And lastly, believe. Believe God has placed you exactly where he wants you to be. Believe that God has good plans for your life. I'm declaring it again today. Hear that. Let it get into your spirit. God has good plans for you. Believe you're a child of the King of kings and the Lord of lords, that you're highly favored, that you are blessed of God. Jesus is with you. And the Bible says he will never leave you nor forsake you. Hmm. Believe. You see, he's with us even though we can't see him. And the Bible says, blessed are those who believe who cannot see. You know, you may not always see him, but he's still with you. You see, the message that I'm sharing with you today comes out of, not because I wanted to share something that I thought would help you. This is coming out of even the pain of my own soul. I gotta be honest with you. This has been a particularly difficult season in my life. And I believe for others that are sitting here that you've been going through some things. And you know, it's not easy for us to talk about the fact that sometimes maybe, maybe we just aren't sure what God is up to and we might question him a little bit. Are you with me? I know that's probably Hard for some to believe. I hope it doesn't rattle your faith too much that your pastor sometimes goes, God, where are you? 
I'm not sure, God. I'm having a hard time, Father. God, my mom's cancer, it's a concern. I don't know what's going on. What are you doing? Why would you take her away from me, God? My stepmom is also fighting serious health. She's lost 60 pounds in the last two months. You you can begin to add up the, the things and you know that something's not right. There's areas, some areas of ministry that are just not moving forward as fast as I like. I'm like, God, what's happening? Why? You know, it's one thing when it's just your own life. But then you see things going on with your children and you're kind of, then now that's a whole nother game. The ball game changes. I asked my son if I had permission to share some things about his life. You see, my son is walking through right now. He's been walking through a, a hard challenge for him. Now this will sound cool. In the last 16 to 18 months, my son has grown almost 14 inches. I don't understand what that's like. You know, I, I, I was a slow grower. In fact, there were times people wondered if I even had legs. My son's inseam, listen to this, his legs are already longer than my legs. He's 13 years old. And one of the things that is important to my son is he really wants to go forward in baseball. You see, he's at the age where you kind of got to choose, is this just something I do for fun or am I going to get serious about this and, and, and try maybe to earn a scholarship to college? And so he's trying out for, for all these different teams and yet I watch as we get into last spring and I'm hitting fly balls. My son never has had a problem with anything and he can't catch a ball because he's all arms and legs. He goes this way and the ball goes that way. So we go to tryouts, and I've coached him. I've coached a lot of kids. And we go to this team, and he finds out, no, you didn't make it. That didn't work. And then he goes and tries out for this group, and a couple of his friends make this team, but he doesn't make it. We we go here. We get to finally, a few weeks ago, we get to the last thing before we just kind of go back to house league. and, and, And all of a sudden, he's trying out with four of his buddies, and We see them and they're celebrating. All four of them make the team and he didn't. And we were actually up in Edmonton. We were having a family break and I remember he got up because we knew that this email was going to come to say, well, did you make this team or not? And I woke up early. He was still sleeping. I got the email and I saw, sorry, we're here to inform you that you didn't make it. And he gets up and he's excited. Dad, do you, do you know what happened? I'm kind of like, you know, you're kind of like the doctor. How do you break the news? And I just said, son, I'm, I'm sorry you didn't make it. And then he's like, well, what about the rest of my friends? They all made it. You know, it was difficult. It's, it was hard. I think even... My wife and I are questioning some things. We're like, man, I've co- I coached a lot of kids. All these kids I'm coaching, they're moving forward. Here, here's my kid, and everybody's wondering what's going on. It's hard as a parent. But you know what? God sees things. God understands things. And this one team that we've been a little bit a part of, 
coach initially said to us, you know, I just think your kid isn't quite ready yet. We love him. We like him. We see potential. You know, he's got to get stronger. He's got to get his legs and arms going the right way. He probably needs a year or two to to do that. And he said, I want you to, I want you to just let me know what goes on with him. I'm really interested in what goes on, what's going to go on with him. And so I texted, I said, hey, just want you to know this is what's happened. You know, man, he's tried, things didn't work out, but we just, I just want to say thank you for the time you've invested in him and good luck on your season. I'm, God bless you because that's just who I am. I talk about God with anybody. Hour and a half later, I get a call from the coach. Actually, he says to me, he goes, you didn't hear this from me because I'm not in charge of everything, but he goes, I've really f- been really frustrated. I said, what are you frustrated about? I'm frustrated. <laughs> he said, well, what, with what happened to Isaac? He said, I just, it's, something's not right here. He goes, I tried to forget about it. I went and had a shower. I was still mad after I took my shower. You got to understand, this guy played AAA baseball one step below major leagues. San Francisco Giants. He says, I've never done this before, but he goes, uh, I want to talk to the big guy. You can't tell him that I told you this, but he goes, I want Isaac on my team. I want to personally coach him. You know, God doesn't forget. And we don't always see everything that's going on. I mean, I, I, for me, there were so many things that went through my mind. All the years that I've given to other people's kids. God's saying, I don't forget. Now, somebody's going to help you. I'm like, God, why'd we have to go through all that? Why didn't they just right at the beginning just say, hey, you're on the team. We could have, it would have been a whole lot easier. Jeez. God, you're mean sometimes. You know, God can handle those conversations that it doesn't bother him. He doesn't like, oh my goodness, I can't believe you said that. I'm just here to say, to tell you today, wherever you're at in your life, God is for you. God is for you. Maybe today you, you're here and you're in the place where you're like, I, I know that. Everything in my life is pretty good. I know God is good. We're, we're, I celebrate with you, but I believe that there are many people here today that are, that you're like me. You've, you've been walking through some stuff and you're just, you've had questions and you've been struggling and you've been frustrated, but I, I'm here to tell you that God loves you, that God is for you, that he has good intentions for you, that he's a good God and he cares about your circumstances and your situation and your story isn't finished yet. For some of you, maybe you just feel like you, you, you're struggling with not doing the right things. I want you to know your story isn't finished yet. Your story isn't done yet. God's still writing your story. He loves you. With every head bowed, with every eye closed. 
if you'd like today to join me in maybe acknowledging you don't understand everything and you could just use God to just pour out some grace, some fresh grace upon your life. If you could just use just a little bit of a God just reminding you that he's there for you. If you, if this is something that you feel like you need today, I just want you to lift your hand right where you're at. Because I know that God God loves you. God, you see these hands, but more importantly, you see these hearts. And Father, I pray right now, God, that you would just go throughout this place. And Lord, you know what each person needs. Lord, you know those who need comfort. You know those who need joy. You know those who need to just sense your peace, Father God. They've been carrying things. They just need to know that you're with them. God, I pray that there would be a tangible Lord, just even for them to be able to experience the peace of God that passes all understanding. Lord, that you would bring your comfort and your grace and your mercy. Lord, as we're doing life together, God, we're just saying we don't understand everything, God, but we do believe that you're a good God. Lord, we don't always see things the way you see it, but Lord, we're asking you to open our eyes. But Lord, when we we don't know, Father God, we're making a declaration today that we will choose to believe. That we'll choose to believe even when we can't see. Believe what we can't see. God, we thank you for your mercy. We thank you for your grace.